By the way, I don't know if you mentioned it in passing, but uh, good day for the floor for Hockey Canada. Pretty, uh, I'd say a low level. Is it the B, C, D, E? I'm not sure where it would fall. But not the best Canadian team we've ever saw go over to the World Championship. They win anyway. So shout out to Canada. They're Five my winners or losers, Justin. I was saving it. Over Germany. In Finland, second gold in three years. Shout out to Canada. Uh, to talk about the How more the pressing Americans hockey do. story. <laughs> they did all right. They were really steamrolling. Mm. But uh, Oh, metal. We'll talk about that in winners and losers as well. <laughs> Before that, let's go to Insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. We can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That insider is none other than Frank Saravalli, NHL insider and president of hockey content at DailyFaceoff.com. Good morning, Frank. How did the Americans do? I like how you snuck that in there right before going to me. Uh, after just, one of their most really embarrassing curious. showing. Do you want to enlighten us? They, they go, they go eight and zero, and then just absolutely the wheels fall off when it comes to the medal round. I must have missed that. Uh, I was busy watching Canada in the gold medal game. Um, but no, I, I'll just say Latvia. That like they, it was on so early. That it game. was really a great scene for Latvia. So there's a little bit of positivity, I guess, for the the growth of the game. How about that? Is that a good spin? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the the flowers at the U.S. Embassy today, that was a really nice touch for the Latvian fans. <laughs> it's very respectful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that wasn't exactly the most talent-rich tournament uh, of all time, and not like there no. isn't talent available, but uh, it was one of those off years, it seems, for the World Hockey Championship. Um, okay, well, let's... Also, not having Russia there it just feels different, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know that that's the new sort of international hockey order, and that it makes sense, politically and all that it just it makes it just changes the outlook of the tournament for me yeah i mean and it's really really having an impact on international hockey like i don't know if it was uh most of the reason why we didn't get a world cup of hockey i don't know if it was like partially but it seems like uh you know without russia the whole international hockey landscape is altered yeah no doubt i'd say it's 90 percent of the reason why we didn't have a world cup of hockey Okay, so that story will continue, and we will still wait for legitimate best on best. Uh, we're still waiting on a new general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we know mm-hmm. Tre Living was in town. We knew he interviewed for the job. Um, is this his to lose at this point, and why, I guess, does it seem like it's his to lose, Frank? It's a good question. I, I don't know the answer. Um, it seems like everyone you talk to, it, that's the first name that pops up. Um, it's obviously one of the first that the Toronto Maple Leafs talk to. Um, I don't know how deep the list is. I reported some of the other names that I've heard that the Leafs either have spoken to or plan to speak to, including Jason Botterill, Mark Bergevin, and Brad, uh, sorry, Peter Shirelli, in, in addition to Brad Tree Living. Um, I think Elliot had reported Doug Wilson. Um, if experience really is the push, like you're, you're now sort of speaking to all of the managers that are, have experience or, and are not currently working. So, uh, or it, at least when you talk to, to Jason Botterill, for instance, had experience and is now back in an AGM role. So are there other people like that around the league that the Maple Leafs plan to speak to? How deep does the list go? Um, and how sort of creative are, are the Leafs willing to get? Are they willing to think outside the box? Or is this a sort of prescribed hire based on 
what Brendan Shanahan put out there in terms of the experience factor. With, with all due respect to Trey Living and the and the other guys you mentioned, like it just seems off to me that at this critical moment for this team, that they're kind of and again, lack of a better term, reduced to scraps. Uh, like why why can't the Leafs? use their financial might, pay someone to pry someone out of this position? Like, why do you think that they're just okay and confident enough that they'll be able to find someone who wasn't looked at as good enough to be employed with the exception of true living this past season? I think that's also a fair question. I, I also think generally, by and large, that's not how the NHL works. You don't just pry someone loose. You don't call the St. Louis Blues owner and say, hey, Doug Armstrong, I, I'd like you know, I'd like to hire him and take him from you, even though you've won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis and you know the, the Blues have put the sort of golden handcuffs on Armstrong with his contract and you know, doesn't have an out to go anywhere, we'd like to take you. Like, that's typically not how the NHL works or has worked. Um, you see that in some other sports. But I think the bigger question is, why is experience really the only factor here? Like for me, it would be process and, and thought process in terms of who this next person is like what, you know, why does, why do you have to have that experience, that title, you know, on your resume in order to be considered someone who could be successful at this job? I I don't, I don't think that is the end all be all. I think, um, you know, having some front office experience is important, but it's it's really the ability to critically think and to collaborate and to communicate and be a chief talent evaluator that I think stands out more than anything. Um, that should be how this position is awarded. Yeah, they definitely put the restraints on themselves, and and it does it still does. Just back to my original point, there it bothers me that this team doesn't like it can be the Yankees, but it refuses to. Like I know this isn't how hockey works, but the Leafs are an exception, and the Leafs should be able to throw their weight around uh, and actually go out and get someone who everyone would be confident in doing the job. And those names that do have experience, like there's a reason why. Again, as I mentioned, that they're unemployed right now. But yeah, you're right. I, I think. Looking, looking beyond the restraints that they put themselves in, that probably would be the best way to operate. So, given that they put these restraints on themselves, is there anything that they're anyone that they're missing out on? Like, who should they be interviewing that they won't because they've put themselves in this box that they've you know they're requiring experience over anything else? Well, I'd say it feels like that's something that's been latched onto. So, like, I'm not saying that you know essentially what Brendan Shanahan said at his press conference is, is everything. But the thought process for me would be like, talk to some of the smartest people who have put together some of the best teams in the league, regardless of what their stature is. Um, you know, speak to someone like Eric Tolsky and the, the work that he's done in Carolina. And if it means having someone who's a, a president of hockey ops or whatever the title is that works in conjunction with him to be the public facing person, then do that. Um, whoever it might be that you see as the, the next up-and-comer, the next person who, um, again, go back to what I was just saying about the ability to think critically, challenge the, the norms, um, to think outside the box, um, do something a little bit differently than everyone else has done, 
that's, I think, what makes sense to me. I don't care if you're 24 or, or, or 84 in terms of the ability to do that. That's really, it shouldn't matter to me whether you sat in the chair or not. You can always find the counsel of someone who has to, whether it's as an advisor or whatever it may be, to, to help you navigate whatever challenges you run into. And that, that I think, is the name of the game. Talking to Frank Cervelli of uh, dailyfaceoff.com. Um, all right, so Dubis and the Penguins seems just like we're waiting for the official announcement. Maybe uh, you have more insight on the, what the latest is, if they're just waiting for him to say, yeah, sure, I'll take this job, or if there's some serious consideration um, otherwise. Well, I, honestly, I, I think there's a whole domino effect to everything that's happening in terms of all these vacancies and part of it includes head coach as well. Um, so like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So m- me personally, like I, I'd be real curious to see what it's like in Kyle Dubas's head this weekend. Obviously he has the Pittsburgh job on the table. And if the job is his, I believe if he wants it, I believe the job is his is I think the best way to phrase it. And so if that's the case, then if you're sitting there also saying, well, I'd have to game plan out the rest of the openings around the league. I don't know how, if you're Kyle Dubas, you could look at that and say, Hey, I'm going to give an answer to the penguins without knowing which direction this Ottawa Senator sale is going to go in. So then you have the Senator sale and you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, who's gaining you know, ownership of this team, who are they going to install as their, their next general manager, their guy. That's also linked to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I, I, I think you have to ask the question. Everyone has linked Steve Steos to the Michael Anlauer bid. Uh, if that's the case, are the Oilers going to let him walk? Um, are they going to promote him to some kind of position in a succession plan with Ken Holland? Then you have the, the, sends and, and their coaching decision is DJ Smith staying. He has connections to the Anlauer group, I think, and would probably be in the mix to stay. And if not, that's another vacancy. And you've got all these other coaching decisions that are uh, all sort of hinging on who goes where, like um, Andrew Brunette and Spencer Carberry, essentially, at least according to those that I've spoken to kind of have their pick of the litter of the jobs that are out there. Um, it's, there's so many things that are linked to just a couple decisions that could kind of put everything in, in order really quickly. And I think that's part of the reason why you haven't seen as much movement in the last, I don't know, five to seven days is because everyone's sort of waiting for all of this to come together. What do you think it is that Kyle Dubas wants from this role? Is it like a full autonomy to do whatever he wants? Does he want a competing, a competing team right away? Like I, I'm, I'm wondering what is the best fit for him. If you look at like, just say Pittsburgh and Ottawa in terms of what he wants in his career, what he can get done with both those franchises, especially like where they're at, they're kind of in different points. Um, and how, I guess how realistic his thoughts on Ottawa are, or are we kind of glamorizing that because he's the, you know, it was his favorite team growing up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think we're glamorizing it. I think it's actually one of the real exciting opportunities in the game. Mm-hmm. You look at the pieces that they have, um, they're finally going to have solid ownership and backing, it would seem. 
Um, you never really know how someone runs a team, even if they're a successful business leader in whatever other venture that made them you know, their billion dollars. Uh, you never know how they react when it comes to handling a hobby, so to speak, uh, being a team owner. But at least you can have some sort of sense of the financial backing that they have going in that changes the outlook of the Ottawa Senators, at least how we viewed them for the last two decades. And especially if a new arena is on the way, all of a sudden you're you're injecting a huge shot into the arm of that market and that team that you couple that with the the pieces that have been put in place and you're like, oh man, this this team can really be something. Like they might be like you could make the argument that if we're ranking the seven Canadian teams, which team has the chance to win the, the Stanley Cup soonest or first, the Sens might be one, two or three, depending on how you do it. And, and your thought process. So it, um, are we over-glamorizing it? I don't think so. I, that was always my prediction going back to February or March when we started having this conversation was, you know, everyone keeps pointing to Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh's the red herring. Watch, now mm. Kyle Dubas will turn around today or tomorrow and take that job. <laughs> and that's, you know, obviously entirely possible. The fact that he went to Pittsburgh and spoke to Sidney Crosby and, and has talked to ownership. Clearly there's some level of interest there from his perspective. I don't know how, how much, but I don't even know how you could consider these two jobs comparable. Like if you're going into Pittsburgh and you're Kyle Dubas, the, the ex- only exciting part um, is that you can ask for like a seven year deal because that's about how long it's going to take to even begin turning that battleship in another direction. Um, that's that's how much work has to be done from the Pittsburgh angle. So, to me, they're they're not comparable. Um, also, the fact that it's in Canada, um, Battle of Ontario can make this a Leafs rival again. You can stick it to the Leafs. Uh, there's so many juicy, interesting things about the Sens um, in terms of that job. If you're Kyle Dubas. Penguins as a red herring is fascinating. I mean, Ailish asks what Kyle Dubas covets. I guess it's not weekends in Monaco for the Grand Prix. Uh, it's maybe revenge against the Toronto Maple Leafs and a really good maybe. chance to win a Stanley Cup uh, over the next few years here. Uh, you mentioned that the Ottawa Senators still might be the first domino or an important domino in everything that's going on league-wide. Uh, so I guess that's the question. Like, when is someone going to flick that domino over? We, we were thinking early last week. That's how far along the process has been. It's it's been fascinating to handicap and cover, and and that's why I, you know, sort of refuse to to handicap it because there's there's so much happening, and there's so many confident people. Like depending on who you speak to, like they're like, oh yeah, this this bid, they're the winner. They're getting it. Um, it's whether you speak to the Anlauer group or the Kimmel group or, or whoever it is, uh, they all seem to think that they're the front runner. And then you've got this really odd Nico Sparks bid that's floating out there that when I put out some tweets last week, like uh, I saw Nico Sparks, uh, you know, referred to, you know, I guess my coverage and the coverage of others as quote, the haters um, I've seen the things that they're sending around trying to, to get investors. Like, like quite literally, like when I tweeted that, that quote the other day, it was, that was a, an actual quote from one of the emails that they had sent to people seeking to have them join their bid saying, quote, this is somewhat of an urgent matter. Like AKA 
can we get your uh, your account and routing number, uh, your transit <laughs> number today, so that we can we can add this to our list? Like that's so okay. So why is the Sparks bid still alive? Why hasn't mm-hmm. anyone from the NHL kiboshed it yet? And then you speak to people from the other groups, and they say. Uh, okay, the league is just using the Sparks bid to bid everyone else up and that they're not actually an authentic bidder. And the Sparks group, I'm told, actually went to some of these other groups, the Kimmel group, the uh, the other three, and said, hey, you want to partner up? Could you give us some money? Because we're the ones winning this bid. And you guys are you guys better get in line. So I, I, I can't really fathom or understand what's happening here other than that, I think uh, mercifully, I'm hoping this comes to an end at some point this week and probably for everyone else, for the reasons that we just talked about is hoping that there's a resolution this week. <laughs> what a clown show. Honestly, it's a tough look. Like, I mean, you had all the celebrities and now it looks like it was just a, a publicity thing. I mean, it's, it's been uh, interesting to cover, I'm sure, so, but still. Can I just add in one thing, Ailish? Yeah. Like I, I urge anyone like try and Try and understand or figure out who exactly Nico Sparks is. <laughs> I'll get down on the he's Wikipedia got, tour. He's got three or four hundred followers on Twitter. Um, if you can, if you research and really dive in to try and find, uh, this is why someone had had made the point to me last week that the NHL has another John Spano on their hands. Mm-hmm. If you try and figure out who he is. Uh, where he works, the projects he's worked on, how he has any capital, sort of every research, you know, avenue that you go down, it either leads you to like a password protected website (laughs) or some building in Los Angeles that no longer is open or exists. Like it's a rat maze trying to find out anything about this guy of any substance. And I've really quite in all my years of reporting on, on people, this this guy's I'm like who who is he? Where did he come from? How did he arrive on the scene? And how is it that he's leading a billion dollar bid? I I really do not understand. And and frankly, a lot of other people don't as well. But yet he's connected to Goldman Sachs somehow. And apparently the NHL is taking his bid seriously. This feels so NHL. Like they're they've got like a billion dollar interest from major major uh, you know capital markets and billionaires, and they're going to go with the guy who's the next Spano. Like it's <laughs> it's really it's really really dicey at this point. Uh, Frank, let's. Uh, I've never seen anything like yeah, this. It's a it's a mystery. It's a bit shady. Um, let's go back to the Leafs quickly before we let you go. Um, it seems like everybody's kind of in the same boat, and I hope I wonder how where you are on this. But about Matthew signing uh, before July first, an extension kind of seems like a bit of a stretch now. And if that's the case, how do Leafs fans not overreact <laughs> to this? Their franchise a superstar maybe taking some more time to to wait it out. Well, I think it, it just. Based on a sheer timeline, it's hard to envision all those ducks, you know, getting together in a row as, you know, mm-hmm. in the next month, essentially, is what you're looking at. Today's May 29th. Um, to have the next GM in place, which I don't know how quickly that's going to wrap up. Is it this week? Is it next? Um, you, you get someone introduced, and, and maybe that's the first thing they tackle. Maybe that's the first thing they say is, look, not the draft that, you know, let the amateur scouting staff handle the draft. I'll, I'll be part of it, but that's not my priority that maybe you just focus solely on, Hey, 
we can't do anything else in our off season until we understand what the what the path is forward for Austin Matthews, and then in relation the rest of the core four um, that maybe they push forward and try and get something done. Um, it, it's just going to take some time, I think, from the Matthews camp perspective to wrap their brains around who is this person, what is their belief system, their thought process, how will they handle the other players outside of me on this roster, and where do I fit in long-term with this team, obviously at the very top of the pyramid, but how does the other pieces below me in this pyramid, how do they all come together? And that's going to take some, I don't want to say massaging, but it's going to take some time for everyone to get comfortable before just forking over the money in the negotiation, which, by the way, isn't all that cut and dried to begin with. So um, there's a lot to figure out. I think the timeline is sort of working against the Leafs. But to be honest, like this is something that this is the roulette wheel that the Maple Leafs have put themselves spinning on because they allowed this entire year to play out the way that it did with regards to not having Kyle Dubas signed to an extension, this is the path they put themselves down. So if, if anything comes of it, if Austin Matthews ends up not wanting to resign or whatever else happens, you you're backed into a corner where he says he's not comfortable or ready to sign. It's this is the spot the Leafs are in. Yep, and they have no one to blame but themselves. Let's quickly uh, go to Game 6 of the Western Conference Final tonight. Uh, The ridiculous uh, motivational factor that was Jamie Benn and getting back to uh, a game where Jamie Benn can actually participate in. Well, that's not there anymore for the Dallas Stars. Uh, Pressure, is it shifting? Is the motivational factor no longer there and going to hurt Dallas? What's your read on Game 6 and where Dallas is and their attempts to come back just like the Boston Celtics have? Yeah, it's amazing to watch what's going on in Boston and kind of, you know, translate that to to, to the NHL and, and the similar vibes that it has. Um, I, I'm with you, that ridiculous notion of we got to, you know, get this guy back in this series. Um, it's, you know, they've played quite obviously their best hockey of the series without him. Um, and And now, like, has the pressure shifted? A hundred percent. Like it's now on the golden Knights going on the road, um, basically to try and stave off a, an absolute choking situation on home ice in game seven, that it's the pressure to me is squarely on, on the golden Knights to try and close this out. The stars are sort of, you know, they were in a spot where they were facing an enormous hole now coming back from a 3-2 series deficit, like whatever happened to get to this point doesn't really matter. How many times have we seen a team come back from 3-2 on the regular? Like it happens every, every spring, multiple times every spring. Mm-hmm. So to think that they can't do it now um, is foolish. And they're in a spot that, I don't know, uh, four days ago they would have been envious to be in. And the Florida Panthers have to wait all the way till Saturday for the Ten days. It's pretty crazy. I wonder how that'll affect. Uh, I mean, they'll be ready, but will they be a little to. too rested? You know, uh, we'll see. Uh, Frank, appreciate yeah. you coming on this morning. We'll chat with you next week. Enjoy the week. Have a week. Good week, guys. You as well. Uh, Frank Cervelli, Financial Insider, President of Hockey Content at DailyFaceOff.com. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com.
Speaking of tonight's Game 6, it's time for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, so tonight the game is in Dallas, and road dogs have been the story of the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. Visiting teams, 45 and 37 in this year's postseason, which is the highest road win percentage in the expansion era. Only two postseasons have seen more road wins in NHL history in 2012-47 and in 1987-46. So we're on the verge of at least tying that one if the uh, Vegas Golden Knights can win tonight Mm -hmm. on the road. We'll see about that. I feel like... It's funny because we talked about, do you change a winning lineup? <laughs> Remember with the Leafs when Michael Bunting was out? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie Benger, captain, ugh. he's I like my he's least. Going back I in. know, but he's my least favorite. Is he? Well, he's one of them. Like, he sucks. Okay. Well, what's um, your beef with Jamie Ben? He just, did you see? Uh, you've, you got cross-checky in your day, didn't nah, you? Nah, I never did that. Nonetheless. Not like, not like that? Of course, they're not going to not put him in the lineup, but uh, it is interesting, the whole motivational tactics. But tonight, you could you could see something special if the Golden Knights can win on the road and close out the series. But waiting all the way till Saturday, nonetheless, for the Panthers is a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. Uh, I'm not really worried about the Panthers as a team. Not worried about Matthew Kachuk. Not worried about uh, Sasha Barkov, mm-hmm. Aaron Ekblad, Montour. Maybe a little Bob nervousness, though, if I'm Florida. Ten days, a big, big stretch like of days to be It's got to affect the off. goaltender the most gotta out of everybody. It's got to affect the goaltender the most. But we were predicting his demise earlier when they had a little bit of a break. And Bob has been Bob, good Bob, the best Bob, indispensable Bob this entire time uh, in the playoffs. So I, I don't know if it'll mean anything to him. But if there's one guy you'd be worried about, I think it would be Sergei Bobrovsky. I think you're right. Um, Tonight, you've got that at 8 p.m. And Heat and Celtics at 8.30. That is going to be must-see TV of the last month even. Um, Looking to take it at home. The Celtics forcing a Game 7. It'll be good viewing experience tonight. Blue Jays are off, as we mentioned. So you just get to watch with, you know, no vested interest. Just to enjoy sports. Mm-hmm. which is a rare thing these days. Blue Jays back in action tomorrow at home against the Brewers for Looney Dogs, um, a three-game series against the Brewers before they go to New York and play the Mets this upcoming weekend. Um, you can send in your wake and rake picks from Game 6 and Game 7. French Open begins. Uh, we got some picks for that. Hopefully, Neil in Newfoundland, we've been waiting for you, buddy. Where you at, buddy? We miss you, Neil. So send those picks in, um, and we'll go through our Fan X Cup update from... The Chuck Schwab, which... Hint, hint, we did not cash a ticket. We did not. Uh, we'll do winners and losers on the other side of the break and give away Dirk's Bentley tickets. That's next on the Fan Morning Show. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, getting us fired up for the rest of Monday, coming at you with a little M&M. We got a big night in sports. Uh, no Toronto sports in action, though, so you get to just chill out and kick up your feet and catch up on succession if you didn't catch it last night, right? Because there are some winners and losers from succession, but we won't, we won't spoil it. No spoilers this morning. We will be patient, maybe wait 48 hours, okay? You have to stay off Twitter. That's right. Yeah, don't go on Twitter. Like you just mute any... No, you can't even... There's not. There's too many words to mute. You just can't go on Twitter. 
and you can't mute photos either. Like there's, yeah, there's gonna lots be of photos. like you just scroll once and you're gonna see the tri who whomever is triumphant. Mm-hmm. You might see a photo of them. You might. So, so don't it's go a dangerous online. place, Twitter. Just catch up sometime today. Um, you got some time in your viewing. No Blue Jays. Watch Succession, then we can chat or text us at five ninety five ninety. Speaking of winners, mm-hmm. uh, can we talk about your golf game over the weekend oh, for a we second? Oh, we sure can. Can or can't? Can. Tell us about it. Grab the new clubs, put them straight in the golf bag. You get a new bag too? Not yet. I'm thinking about it. Did you guess how much golf bags are? Know, a couple hundred. Couple hundred bucks. Yeah. I get it. They hold your clubs, but I'm like, wow. Maybe I'll wait for that one. I already dropped a little bit of. Money on the clubs. Nonetheless, I put the clubs in the bag, drive to the uh, to the course, went to Rolling Hills and Stovall, old stomping grounds. Um, and first time I used one was right off the tee. And I love them. I am so happy. Honestly, I had a little bit of like a pit in my stomach that I was going to get these clubs custom fitted and get out there and suck like just like drop the ball so legitimately the first time you swung it because you went you f- went and hit some i gra- i got the clubs friday i didn't go to range friday mm-hmm. i drove there saturday morning and did not there, there was no range i teed up on one with people watching the gallery and i disclaim gallery i disclaim it was a bit of a slowdown saturday because i think we teed off like 20 minutes late just because there was a lot of groups out there it was a beautiful day beautiful day to golf and I like turn around everyone. I'm like, by the way, these are new clubs. Like I felt like I had to give a disclaimer because I was worried. Mm-hmm. And the first swing. Just piped it. Just piped it. I'm obsessed with my new driver. It's ping. It's a nice, sexy club too. There was one memorable hole, wasn't there? Yeah. So started out good. Um, I was with my friend Kate. We had two other people with us. You always get nervous too if you're going to get paired with some yeah. clowns. Great people. Some clowns. Honestly, had a, just a pristine outing. But okay. I... I had probably one of my best holes of my life. Third hole on Rolling Hills. It's a par four. Early in the round too. Wow. It's uh, I was off the reds. Okay, you know it's first round of the year. I went from the reds. You're allowed. I'm allowed. I mean, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But I, I was with my friend who's also a girl. So we're like, we'll just hit from the reds. Anyways, two twenty five from the reds. I drove the green on a par four, and had an eagle putt, which slipped out from. Like eight feet? From le- from around eight feet. Wow. I honestly was stunned. It went dead straight down the middle. Gate, well, a little bit of roll, roll obviously. I didn't hit it exactly 225 to the pin. Stunning, stunning hole. I will remember that one. It, that's the type of hole that you come back and you think about when you're in bed thinking like, I love golf now. You know, it was a good one. That'll keep you coming I back. I didn't get the, the eagle putt birdied, but still it was like, wow, this club was worth the money. I felt good about it. The rest of the round was great. My new irons were were dialed. Like the only thing that held me back from posting my score and having bragging all over the internet was I three putted almost every hole. I just, I was off. I couldn't do it. And what was the only club I didn't get a new club of? A putter. So maybe it was in my head or maybe I just need to get a new putter now. Did you roll it before the round on the practice? No, cream? I didn't touch. I didn't even touch these clubs until last year, Justin. No, just on the practice. No, cream. I didn't even get to the practice screen. Okay. Well, so that, that, I mean, that, that definitely has there. an effect on your but the putting was ability. abysmal. The rest of the game was dialed. I'm making Michael Block excuses. I don't even care. Who's good at putting on the on the tour? Because if I had blank persons, 
Denny McCarthy. If I was, if I had Denny McCarthy's touch, I'd be. What did he say? I'd be world class. That's me. Wor- you did say you'd be world class if you could putt. I was uh, like, okay. That's hilarious. I was gonna challenge you to like first birdie, win something, or some sort. Well, of we bet. gotta think of something for Wednesday. But if you're hit, if you're piping at two twenty five off red tees onto greens on short par fours. I'm uh that happened once. Reluctant. Let's just like pump the brakes a bit. I'm not signing up for LPGA. I will say sponsor exemption for women's Canadian Open is on the table. So just let me know. Is there a pro am coming up for the Canadian Open? Because I'm available. You're gonna have to post a few more scores. I yeah, think. yeah. Okay. Well I'm working on it. I'm I'm pretty Get high to the on the practice my game. screen and you might have a chance. Day one of golfing and I'm high on my game. So Justin and I are going on Wednesday, a nice course that I used to frequent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll have the full report Thursday. But we'll also take suggestions if there's some sort of competition we can do. You're bringing a buddy and I'm bringing a buddy. So I don't know if we can just go head to head, but we can figure out a way to make this competitive because Thursday we need something. We'll figure something so out. So text in 590-590. How do we make Best this? Best golf games. How do we make this golf game worth something? Okay, so a big winner. Ailish 4 I feel good about it. I'm happy with uh, my investment so far. <laughs> It is early in the season, <laughs> okay, so... You might have to drop 500 on a putter. Remember this, um, Monday, May 29th, and Ailish's vibes were high because it can change drastically. I mean, third hole of the year, and you got a, you got a makeable eagle putt. Is... I was... I don't think that's ever happened, though. But as I said, I'm not like a, a pro pro, but... Anyway, I had a blast, too, and we're going to have fun Wednesday, so send go. in any golf uh, games we can play, all right? All right, let's do winners and losers. Okay, um, can I go first? Yeah. Well, you kind of tease it a bit, but Canada, a massive winner at the uh, WHF World Championships. That's their fourth world title in eight tournaments, gold medal to Canada. Um, shout out to our buddy John Morosi for this tweet. Um, Adam Fantilli, also a winner, became the first ever player to win a world junior gold, the Hobie Baker, and world championship mm. in the same year. Um, pretty damn incredible year for this kid. Um, Canada with a, with a big win. I got to go to, I covered the world championships that was previously in Latvia. Um, 2020? 2020 bubble year. 2021. 2020? Was it 2020? 2020 in 2021? One of the years of the pandemic. Yes. It was a fully closed bubble. I was in Riga, um, for that world championship where Canada also won. After they had the worst start of the tournament, people were like, oh, Canada's embarrassing. They came back and won. It was an OT uh, golden goal. I remember being there. It was an awesome experience. Latvia is incredible, even though I didn't get much opportunity to go check it out uh, because COVID. <laughs> it was COVID. But seeing Latvia, I'm, I'm taking both of these. Seeing Latvia get bronze yesterday, their first ever championship double um, IHF gold medal or medal at all women's and men's at, at the top level of um, IHF. They are honestly like maybe the most passionate, exciting fan base that I've seen in real sports present. Mm. Um, so well-deserved, a really great story to see Latvia get um, bronze and at the hands of uh, another country that we're happy that didn't get a medal. Sure. Um, so Canada and Latvia, massive, massive winners. Canada now with the record for most championships with 28. So congrats to both Canada and Latvia. Yeah, we were talking about with Frank, not exactly oozing with talent this tournament. Mackenzie Weger was Canada's leading scorer, uh, which, you know, he's a good player, but he's a kind of a stay-at-home defenseman. So yeah, it wasn't exactly popping, but that's not to diminish either the accomplishment for Canada or Latvia. Latvia's previous best was seventh at this tournament, and they get a, they get a bronze medal. 
on a overtime winner from Christians Rubens, who yes. of course is in the Leaf organization. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Canada and Latvia winners on Sunday at the World Hockey Woo-hoo. Championship. My big winner, though, of the weekend is Derek White uh, of the Boston Celtics. I don't know if it's an all-time moment. Maybe not. Maybe it falls short of all-time moment, but his put back with under a second to go in game six both preserved the Boston Celtics season, but also could result in an all-time rewrite of the NBA history books if Boston goes on to win the title, if they can win in game seven and upset the Denver Nuggets. Uh, At least it saved them from doom in game six, and White became just the second player in NBA history to make a game-winning buzzer beater when facing elimination with his team trailing prior to the shot. The only other player who has done that, Michael Jordan in 1989. So he'll always have the uh, the company of Michael Jordan until someone else does it, but I guess he'll always still have it because it's a rare, rare thing to be facing elimination, to hit a buzzer beater, to stave off elimination. That game was incredible. The amount of emotions in the last, I don't know, five minutes, the roller coaster, if you were a fan of either of those teams watching, I just wanted to... Well, I'm a major loser while you find that because I saw the heat up by Oh, you went 12. to bed, Justin! I saw the heat up by 12 and I didn't even have to get up to do the show the next day. So it's even, even worse than it normally would be. But I saw a couple wasted possessions for Boston and I'm like, all right, the heat got this and I'm going to bed and wake up and I see the hysteria that was Derek White's moment. It was pretty amazing. So Celtics was winners in general because now they've completely flipped the script. They have an opportunity to be the first team ever to come back from 0-3. I mean, uh, the stars are kind of aligning. It's back at home in Boston. The momentum has completely gone from what Miami is doing. Heat culture is fraudulent. Um, they're showing that they have a lot of cracks. They look cooked. So tonight could be something historical that we've truly never seen before if the Celtics can pull out a win. Uh, we'll tee that up in the wake and rake. They're pretty heavy favorites. I think seven and a half when I saw last time. And it's pretty understandable uh, why. And I think maybe a loser would be, or maybe it's a Venn diagram. How about Venn diagram? Okay, hit me with the Venn. <laughs> What's the spin? Us watching Kyle Lowry. Ooh, I don't mm, like that spin. Well, maybe that's in Explain the Explain yourself. Well, it's been tough. He He's had a pretty tough go here. Um, I, We love Kyle Lowry. We think he's, you know, the, maybe the greatest or one of the greatest Raptors of all time. We love him. Um, he's done a lot for this franchise. Now seeing him with the Heat, he's having a tough go. Um, yeah, I'm trying to spin this. Uh, it's pretty much in the losers column. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was, you try- worked through it in your I was head. trying to be nice, but it is. He's looking like a shell of himself. Uh, it's hard to watch. I wonder how Raptors fans feel about it. I mean, I really wanted him to have an opportunity to win an NBA championship uh, title again, but it doesn't seem like the Heat are in a good spot to do so. Can still see uh, a Jimmy Butler moment tonight, maybe, but not seeing Lowry have the most dominant performance has been tough to watch. Gunner and I debated this a little bit uh, last week, I think it was, when things were actually going well for Kyle Lowry. And I was like, yeah, do we really want to see him do win do. in Miami? I do, I really do. And my, and my only thing was like, it was like, you're supposed to have success with Toronto and you were going to Miami to be in like semi-retirement mm-hmm. and to, you know, raise your kids and hang out on the beach and play golf, golf. and do all those things. And then it was like watching him win, and it was like, uh, I guess this is nice, but I'm kind of selfish. And now seeing him go where it's the opposite way, where he's a detriment Mm. again, it's not as good. So, yeah, the the former better than latter in terms of his impact on the Miami Heat. Um, Okay, big winner. Uh, This is a really special one. Uh, Liam Hendricks, he has been reactivated uh, from the White Sox to return from beating stage four cancer. 
just pretty obviously I know everyone has a story of people have been affected by cancer, but just to see him get through this, fight it, um, and be back ready to to pitch is a pretty incredible story. So major winner. Um, I saw the Blue Jays also posted a really nice social clip having some of their uh, players like send a, a positive well wishes to Liam Hendricks. Um, obviously some history with the, the Blue Jays as well. So really, really wonderful to see. Wish him all the best uh, and uh, – to his family as well. Congratulations for getting through all that. It'll be a great story to watch the rest of the season. So massive winner, um, Liam Hendricks. Yeah, shout out to Liam Hendricks. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, I got some soccer stuff here. Do you want me to roll through it? Yeah. So it's a big promotion relegation weekend, of course, Mm -hmm. the last week of European football, at least uh, at, at the league level. My big winner is Luton Town. Forget Wrexham. Luton Town is the story. Luton Town. Of English football. They're the first team to go from non-league, which is not in the top yes. four leagues of English football, not in the top 92 teams in English football, and scale their way all the way to the Premier League. Since 2013, when they were non-league, they've gone to League 2, to League 1, to the Championship, and now the Premier League after beating Coventry on penalties to gain promotion to the English English Premier League. Awesome, awesome story. Seeing... Like this is this is part of it, right? Like so teams you win, you don't hear of that maybe gained a couple or moved up a, a couple rungs in the ladder. But this is way different. This is ten years going from non-league to the English Premier League is an amazing story. So shout out to Luton Town. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got Borussia Dortmund, uh, who basically handed Bayern Munich its 11th straight title on the last day. All they needed to do, Borussia Dortmund, was beat middle of the table, table Mainz. They had tickets going for a thousand dollar, thousand euros. Parties planned outside. <laughs> Everything was setting up for this big celebratory moment where this team that's losing one of the best players, uh, at least young players in the world, in Jude Bellingham, at the end of the season, they were going to have this massive party because they finally took down Bayern Munich. They fall behind two nothing in the game. They get one back. They score again in the ninety fifth minute to tie the game. But Bayern Munich, who was wobbling itself, all they had to do was get a win over, I think, Cologne. They uh, netted a game uh, late winner, and uh, they stole the title back for their 11th straight title after Borussia Dortmund. All they had to do was get a victory at home against a middle-of-the-table club. So it's a brutal, brutal scene, but it's a Venn diagram for me because we talk about the supporters and soccer and accountability. This was a big thing with the Leafs we are talking about after they were uh, oustered. Uh, Edin Terzic's their manager, and despite the loss, despite this like really, really devastating moment, the fans at Dortmund chanted for him and mm-hmm. in support of him, and he was brought to tears, and he was a fan of Dortmund when he was a young kid, comes back, manages the team now, and they were chanting, if you win and stand top, or if you lose and stand at the bottom, we'll still sing Borussia oh, to Edin cute, Terzic. Justin. So that's like, imagine that. Like if the Leafs, Leafs blow it, how negative things are, oh, yeah. at least despite the party planning, the wasted dollars, they can still stand behind their manager who did a great job this year. Well, that was your world soccer update. You just, gl- you won't even let me go through it. You start glossing over, looking at the guys in the back. No, you said oustered and we were just giggling. Oh, okay. That's what's all. Wrong, what's wrong no, with oustered? You did a great job. At what's wrong with oustered? I don't know. Oustered? That was oustered, but. Ouster? We just, I guess I we brought it. I, I mixed two. No, you killed it. Um, holy soccer. I don't have any soccer for you. Um, I do have losers. The Can Oakland. I give you a soccer one? No. Okay. <laughs> I thought you just did them all. I got one more. Worldwide. Um, Leicester City won the biggest sports story of all time. Seven years ago, they got relegated from the yeah, Premier Yeah, I did see that one. Um, how about the Oakland A's? Maybe the biggest losers of all time. They are on track to maybe be one of the worst 
baseball teams to ever suit them up. Uh, they have a 10 and 45 record, 11 straight losses, a minus 199 run differential. They've been swept eight times. They're scheduled to play. This was uh, their pregame notes. So they, you know, when you go to press box, whatever, they've printed out notes for you. This was what was written in their pregame notes. At the one-third mark, the A's are scheduled to play their 54th game of the season today with the one-third mark of the season. They're on pace to lose 131 games, which would be the second most in Major League history to the 1899 Cleveland Spiders, <laughs> who went 20 and 134. The A's pitchers are on pace to set athletics records for the highest ERA, most runs, most home runs, most hit batters, and fewest saves in Oakland records for the most walks. Anyway, the list is lengthy for what the Oakland A's are failing to do. Um, so big, 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 big losers. I feel like that's going to be a pressure series when it rolls around. It's like you got to you gotta oh, sweep you, them. You cannot ever or you're not going to feel good about you it. You cannot lose to the you Oakland A's. You cannot lose to them. Another winner is DeAndre Hopkins got re- released by the mm-hmm. Arizona Cardinals. Can go to an elite team now. Maybe the Bills. Maybe the Bills, that would be a pretty big deal for Josh Allen. And I think it's a massive deal for DeAndre Hopkins, who I think can still be an impact guy. And I'll give a winner to Max Domi and Ty DeLandria, who were instrumental Mm. in the Game 5 victory. Max Domi would have been a pretty good addition, just saying, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. Um, Quick winner here, uh, Matthew Kachuk and TNT and hockey in general. He's doing a lot to get this growing the game thing going he's fun uh he got an opportunity to be on the broadcast there i thought there's a lot of good clips from that if you haven't got a chance to watch it <laughs> the panel in kachuk was a hit uh, i'm glad to see that he got you know got to be a little bit of personality which this league sometimes lacks um mm-hmm. and he's uh he's certainly brought it good to see him there got to see the heat game but that was a tough one um they've got to wait till saturday to even start the stanley cup final so i think might as well enjoy yourself a little bit one more hockey loser uh, clear hierarchy forming at the Memorial Cup. Peterborough Pete's not looking good. I know. Lost to Seattle. <laughs> then they got Kamloops and they give up 10. Their Mem Cup's it's over, our, clearly. You peats. give up 10, 10 in a second <laughs> loss at the tournament, you're done. Uh, so not a great look for the Ontario Hockey League or the Peterborough Pete's who got dusted last night. Oh boy. Well, I got some more, but we can sprinkle those in throughout the show because we're going to make you a winner. Dirk Spanley coming to Bud Stage this Thursday as part of his Gravel and Gold Tour with special guests Jordan Davis, Molly Tuttle, and Golden Highway. We're giving away tickets today and tomorrow. To enter, just listen to the Fan Morning Show today and tomorrow and text in our daily code word to 590-590. Today's code word, your second last chance to win. Code word is Old Pickup. Text Old Pickup to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, be sure to secure tickets at ticketmaster.ca. That's Dirk Spanley this Thursday at Bud Stage, old pickup at 595.90 for your chance to win. I can't wait. It'll be my first outdoor concert of the summer, of course. Dirk Spanley fired up to go there. And Jordan Davis is a great opener. I'm excited to see him as well. I usually don't try to get there early. You know, kind of, I don't need to see every single opening act, but I'd love to see Jordan Davis. The chances to win free tickets to Dirk Spanley are running out. So get old pickup into the text line. <laughs> okay. Um, a winner, as always, is Jeff Blair. He's going to join us on the other side of the break to bring break down uh, the whirlwind since we last spoke to him with Toronto Blue Jays to get their first series win in the last two weeks so maybe the turnaround they needed Jeff Blair at eight and then we'll follow up with Joe Cachario who's going to join us to talk about that end to game six and set up tonight's game seven in Boston that's all next on the Fan Morning Show